0: Hey, welcome Kingdom Real Estate Investors to our Wednesday edition of the podcast show. This is an excerpt from our live real estate show we do every single week with business owners, real estate investors from all over the country. If you're enjoying this and you want to join us every week or see who our next guest is that we're going to be hosting this week, go to thekingdomrei.com forward slash live. That's thekingdomrei.com forward slash forward slash live, to join us and register, and again, to see what special guests we'll be bringing on this week. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Ellis. How are you? I'm great. Oh, so glad to have you here.
1: I heard I'm co-author of rich dad poor dad huh yeah
0: see that's what I'm saying this idea of like going too fast we just heard something and our team put it on there we're very sorry but you're writing with the author of of co-author of rich dad poor dad which is really cool
1: yeah she's my co-author Sharon Lecter
0: well you also are just a powerhouse in your own right and you've done so much over your career I'm so excited to have you here um Michelle so Thank this you. is a group of investors, CEOs of real estate companies. And, and this is what's so interesting is that and this is why I'm so excited to have you on. Most folks come into this business. No one went to school, by the way, to become a CEO of a real estate investment company. They don't, it's not a degree. Most people start as an investor. They mm-hmm. buy a property. They like real estate. They want to mm-hmm. do more. And they want to, now, now they want to scale. Mm-hmm. And so this idea of exiting rich and thinking about setting up your company is such a missing gap for so many people inside of our community that's why I think you can help people here today here's my first question for you though before we talk about the company itself I I don't hear this talked about enough and maybe you can help me because I'm 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 not there yet this is a skill set that I'm missing mm-hmm. who do you have to become or what skills do you need to develop as a person to really exit your company or to start building companies like this so that you can exit before you even get started on the company itself?
1: That's a great question. And nobody's ever asked me that question. So, congratulations, I've been on 250
0: podcasts.
1: Wow. <laughs> so, I always say that you will never grow the business beyond what you can grow the owner. Mm. You will never grow the business beyond what you can grow the owner. Now, I partner with business owners, investing my capital, my expertise, my resources. And a lot of times we hit a brick wall because I have to stop and grow the owner before I can grow the business. So you will never grow the business beyond what you can grow the owner. Have you ever watched Marcus Lemonis on CNBC, The Profit? I have. How many times does Marcus say, we need to do this, we need to do this, we need yeah. to do this? He lays out a great plan, a great blueprint. He goes out of town and they do the exact opposite right. of what right. he told them, told them to that, do. I told you what to do. Yeah. So same thing with my partners. I'm like, what are you doing? That's not what we talked about last week. You also have to let go of the control in order to grow. Entrepreneurs are control freaks. I don't care if you're in real estate, if you're in manufacturing, if you're in healthcare, entrepreneurs are control freaks. They think that if you want it done right, you have to do it yourself. They have their hand in every pie, they have their finger in every pie, and you will never grow unless you let go of control. And that's what Exit Rich is all about. It's all about building a sustainable, scalable business. So when you are ready to exit, you actually have something that somebody wants to buy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because like Steve Forbes says, 80% of businesses will never sell. Eight out of 10 businesses in the market do not sell. And the number one reason for that is because business owners never really think about their exit until a catastrophic event has occurred, internal or external. And that's the worst time to sell your business. Plus, business owners never built a business that somebody actually wants to buy. Many business owners build a glorified job and what to go out to work at every day versus a business that actually works for them.
0: What what is your percentage? Your rule, like going back to that when you say you have to let go of control if you want to grow, like how how you know I always hear I have like the seventy percent rule or the sixty percent rule or the eighty percent Like how much are you okay in terms of quality giving up? Because that's the thing you do trade quality when you let go of control sometimes. What are you okay with?
1: Okay, you trade quality, but that's not really true. That's a misconception.
0: Okay, you I have to
1: it. you have to train. You have to train. You have to have your processes, which is my third P. You have, you have to have your processes in place. You have to train on quality control. Plus, you must inspect what you expect. Trust, but verify. So just to say, oh, say you're going to
0: say that again. I you
1: must inspect what you expect. And you must trust, but verify. So it's a misconception to say you're going to lose a percentage of quality. You will in the beginning, because they're not trained properly.
0: Guys, Does that makes sense. Oh, perfect sense. Because I do think that is true, that the, it's exactly what you're saying. We're scared to give stuff up because we don't want to lose quality. And then we do it and we give it and we lose quality. I'm like, oh, see, I knew this was going to happen. But what we don't do is that second part of in, inspecting what you inspect, taking the time to build the system and team and the processes around that, uh, verifying that, giving feedback. Because I think you're right. And I think that really just clicked for me, Michelle, is that the reality is I'm actually not the best or the expert on all that I'm doing. Um, there's actually people more qualified who actually could do it better than me. If I gave them the right vision and work with them to actually do that, that is very true. I don't build my websites, you know, I, but I know what I want and they build it. So I think that's, that's actually really helps me overcome some of those. Yeah.
1: You you got to really trust, but verifying, here's the bottom line. If you're giving up quality, a percentage, you, you did something wrong. Mm -hmm. You either hired the wrong person, you put the wrong person in the wrong seat or you didn't train them properly. You didn't give them clear instructions and empower them to do their job. Sometimes people just mess up because they're so intimidated and scared that we're going to yell at them. (laughs) So you really got to make sure you hire the right people. You have to have a clear definition, a clear business plan of what you're looking for, a clear job description of what you're looking for. You have to hire the right people. I always say hire grit, hire grit, Sometimes over education, and then you got to test them, test them. Then you got to make sure you have a good training program, and you got to inspect what you expect on a regular basis until that confidence level is there that they're doing a good job. And the more that you're confident that they're doing a good job, the more they will be confident. And in fact, you know, the more it will empower them. To well, do what, do
0: you, what do you mean by test? Can, can you explain that a little bit further? Test? Oh,
1: like- yeah. I test everybody. <laughs> so um, we have different types of tests that we use and there's all kinds of tests available out there, but we don't hire anyone without, we look at the position, we say, okay, we're ha- hiring for analyst. By hiring for analyst, what do I need from my analyst? Hmm. I need my analyst to have extreme attention to detail. Extreme attention to detail. I need my analysts to be extremely organized. I need them to be really good with math. So I figure out what are these non-negotiables for the positions that I need. And then I have different tests to test them on those non-negotiables. Plus, before we hire, we have intern programs, we have intern to hire. So we get to work with them for, you know, a few weeks, a few months to make sure they're a good fit. And we also never hire anyone without them coming in and shadowing and working with us for a few days. So
0: this is what we're talking class. about, this is what, a masterclass? I'm literally like, just I got a page of notes because I'm like, this is, this is the stuff that no one teaches you, Michelle. And yep. you get into business and you try and figure it out and you don't know these basic steps of inspect what you expect, trust, but verify higher grid over test. Like this is so good and so practical, but where do you learn this stuff? If you don't go You learn it in
1: exit rich, (laughs) if you don't go buy your book,
0: where do you learn this?
1: So it's one of my P's. So I tell, I teach everybody, I don't care what industry you're in. I teach every business owner to build the infrastructure on what I call the six P's. And we should go through the six P's today. But one of the biggest P's, one of the number one P's is people. And we're talking about people right now because you don't build a business. You build people and people build the business. You have to put the right people on the right seats. How do you do that? You do that by getting crystal clear on what you need, what your negotiables, what your non-negotiables are. You get crystal clear on what testing you need to do. Crystal clear on that job description, crystal clear on that training for those departments. Then you make sure you put the right people in the right seats and you ask the who question. Who opens the door? Who handles customer service? Who handles marketing, legal, accounting? Uh, Who handles um, inspections? You know, environmental. The clue here, Alice, is you should never be next to the who. Because we want the business to run without you. The number two reasons that businesses don't sell is because a business is a thousand percent dependent upon the owner, especially real estate businesses. I have a good friend of mine who owns probably half of Chicago. <laughs> he does multifamily, and he's one of my best friends. We have spoke on stage together and everything else. And I'm like, "Do you have a general manager yet? Do you have a chief operating officer yet?" We've been friends for like twelve years. He still doesn't have a COO. <laughs> he still is doing all the things that he shouldn't be doing. And I'm like, John, you will never grow unless you let go of the control and get the right people in the right seats. And he's not, be, he's not able to grow past what he's done because he doesn't have the right people.
0: Yeah. Uh, if you could see everyone's faces right now, they're doing this.
1: Oh, I wish I could see everybody's faces. I love seeing people.
0: Yeah. Uh, is so, good. so, I mean, I, I want to, if we have time, I, Michelle, I could sit here and learn from you for days. I do want to encourage everyone, though, go get the book, Exit Rich. Hmm. I, I've got mine on Amazon. Um, when is it actually? When am I getting yeah. the book?
1: So, I want to encourage everyone that I can't see. <laughs> so, don't go to Amazon. And let me tell you why go to exitrichbook.com. Okay. At Exitrichbook.com. The book is $24.79, which is less than Amazon. The book um, Exit Rich comes out June 22nd. But if you purchase it at exitrichbook.com, I will email you the digital download, the digital PDF. Let me tell you how instrumental that is. I just had a pharmaceutical, um, uh, an owner of a pharmaceutical company call me, and he's the Michelle. I just printed out your PDF of Exit Rich. I printed it out in Ledger Pages. I'm using it as a workbook and I'm incorporating all these tips and strategies and techniques. Like you said, that nobody told me that I didn't learn in college. And he says, I'm incorporating it into my exit strategy and I want to hire you to sell my business. I think we can sell it between 30 to 50 million, which he's right. We can sell it between 30 to 50 million. But he says, this is the best book I've ever read. You got more tips and strategies and techniques in here, what we should be doing to build our infrastructure so we can exit when we're ready. And he says, I never learned that from anywhere else. So at exitrichbook.com, we email you to digital download. We ship the hardcover to your doorstep to anyone that lives in the United States for no additional shipping. We give you a lifetime membership into Exit Rich Book Club. Which is video content? I mean, doing deep dives and different strategies and techniques, and we give you documents, documents to operate your business, documents to sell your business. So, sample, LL, sample um, operations manuals, policy and procedure manuals, employee handbooks, non-competes, sample letter of intent, which are very different than they are in real estate. Sample purchase agreement, sample due diligence checklist, sample closing docs. Everything you need to operate and sell your business is there at the Exit Rich Book Club. And and they're available for your download and your use. You just have to remove the Seller Tucker name. (laughs) I had a lady send me documents yesterday. She goes, can I use these templates? I go, yes, but you have to remove Seller Tucker. You cannot keep my name in there. (laughs) And so common sense is not so common, right? (laughs) So anyway, and you also get a 30-day free membership into club CEOs, which is a mastermind, an entrepreneur mastermind where we really help business owners build that sustainable, scalable, and sellable business so they too can exit rich. And that's all that Exit Rich Book Club. I'm sorry, exitrichbook.com.
0: All right, I just posted it, by the way, I, I'm sold. Um, Michelle, let me ask you this question, and then we, you, if I don't have much more of your time, I'll, I can let you go, but you've accomplished so much already. Um, I always like know, asking this from very successful entrepreneurs, business owners like yourself, being younger in my career, what keeps you motivated? Why? go after something like this is seems like another business you're doing writing a book a mastermind that's a lot of work for someone who's already done so much why
1: so that's funny because when i talk to clients about their gps exit model I always ask them, what's your why? <laughs> why do you want to sell your business for 10 million? Why do you want to sell it for 20 million? My why is is I'm just really, I've always been an entrepreneur. I've always owned different businesses and different verticals. I love entrepreneurship. It runs through my blood. I am like a kid in a candy store. I can't wait to find out how someone started the multi-million dollar corporation with an eighth grade education. We're selling a business right now for $70 million. The owner started that business out of his pickup truck, selling one product at a time with an eighth grade education and not even from the United States. And I just love stories like that. What breaks my heart is that the business landscape has changed dramatically. It used to be when I wrote my very first book, Sell Your Business from Mornings Forth in 2013, 95% of all starters will go out of business. We know that. However, when I started writing and doing the research for Exit Rich in 2019, 2020, did the exact same research. The business landscape has flip-flopped. It has changed dramatically. Now only 30% of startups will go out of business. Out of 27.6 million companies, those businesses have been in business 10 years or longer, 70% of those businesses are going, will go out of business, mm. will go out of business. You hear about the big public companies all the time, like Toys R Us goes out of business, been in business for 75 years, Kmart, Steinmart. GNC is closing down 900 locations, but they're not talking to you about the private businesses on every street corner in every town in every state across a great nation. These business owners are exiting poor. They're selling for pennies on a dollar, closing their business. And or filing bankruptcy. And when you file bankruptcy, you usually lose not just your business assets, but your personal assets too, because most business owners pierce the corporate veil because they commingle assets. So it's my passion, it's my mission to try to help as many business owners save their business and exit for their desired price tag so they can finally enjoy the fruits of their labor. Wow. That's my why.
0: Michelle, how I do think, let me ask you this last question here. And I got of,
1: time, so you can ask me a few okay, questions. Okay, wonderful.
0: Then we're in no rush. Um, let me. I know you this. went
1: late with Whitney, so. <laughs> I, um,
0: in terms of exiting, you know how I, I, I guess because I I never even um understood the idea of exit until very recently, um didn't even think that was possible. Never thought about that. Like, how possible? Yeah, we want to hear the six Ps, Todd, for sure. But how how possible is exiting? Like, is is it likely that if we follow the strategies, the processes that you teach, like, is it a blueprint to exit mm-hmm. companies or is it like I have to have a really good idea and I have to like everything has to go right? Or is it likely that more people can exit than they were than, than we realize?
1: My goal is to increase the. My goal is increase to 20% of businesses that sell to like 40, 50, 60%. Because right now, 80% of businesses are not selling. Yes, everyone has the potential to build their business to exit for their desired price tag. The problem, Ellis, is most business owners don't do it. Business owners, just like you, they, they never thought about an exit. They've never heard about an exit or, you know, they don't think about an exit until there's health issues or partner's disputes or death or something like that, or this pandemic that we're in. That's the worst time to sell your business. The best time to sell your business is when it's in its prime and doing really well because businesses go through life cycles, just like humans do. You want a quick example of life cycles? Yeah. Or do you want the six P's? Wait, so I want, want both. One. Oh, you want both? Okay. So life cycles. I'm a greedy.
0: Business,
1: a business idea goes in the incubator, right? Business ideas in the incubator. Only five percent of business ideas will make it out of the incubator. Babies go in the incubator. When we come out of the incubator, we're in infants. We go home with mom and dad. We take a tremendous amount of what? Money and supervision. And nice. so does an infant business. Then we go from an infant business to a toddler. What is toddler? Do you have kids?
0: I'm in the infant stage, actually. A lot of of attention.
1: (laughs) Get ready for those terrible twos (laughs) and the terrible threes. So when they go from infant to toddler, they still need a tremendous amount of money and a tremendous amount of supervision. Then they go into teenage years. They don't need as much supervision, but they need a lot of money in their teenage years. Then they go from young adult. They go from teenager to young adult where they're pretty much have figured things out They don't need as much supervision in their business. They don't need as much money. And then they go to adult. Adult is in your prime. Let me give you an example. Toys R Us, 2015, in their prime, worth $11 billion. What happens after adult? You go to senior citizen. One year later, Toys R Us goes to senior citizen in 2016 and files bankruptcy after being worth $11 billion. What happens after senior citizen? You die. (laughs) Toys R Us died two years later, closed up 1500 locations. So businesses go through life cycles just like humans do. So you have to ask yourself, do you have an infant business? Do you have a taller business? Is it in its prime? If it's in its prime, that's when you sell. If it's in senior citizen or death, you've got to innovate. The number one reason why these businesses, 70% of these businesses are going out of business is because owners stop doing what I call AIM. AIM. AIM is always innovate and market. Business owners stop innovating. They become complacent. I don't care what industry you're in, you always must innovate. Otherwise you'll die. Look at Blockbuster. Us yep. did nothing different in 75 years. They never innovated
0: hundred percent. I mean, that's exactly what we're talking about today because the real estate industry, people like it's such an old industry. The people that have built Matt, even your buddy in Chicago, I would almost guarantee he owns half of Chicago, but doesn't have a thought leadership platform. Like he doesn't have a place where he. Oh, he doesn't. Like, You know what I'm saying?
1: (laughs) I'm gonna have him listen to you.
0: (laughs) So you know, he doesn't listen to me.
1: Maybe he'll listen to you. (laughs) So I do
0: think that's so right on that. Like we, you know, I'm gonna inspire my my people too too, to love that aim. Always innovate and mark and market. Always innovate
1: and market. Okay, so number one is people. We talked about people. The number two reason that business owners don't sell is because. The, biz, the, the, the owner has built a glorified job and wants to go to work at every day versus a business that works for them. I had a dentist that came to me, been a dentist for 50 years, has no other dentist, has three dental hygienists. They just happen to be his daughters. <laughs> so I said, look, I can sell your business, but we're not going to be able to maximize value because you are the business. And I said the purchase price will be contingent upon you and your daughter staying on for two to three years. It will be clawbacks. It will be all kinds of things written to closing docs. And he goes, oh no, honey, I'm not staying. I said, well then, honey, you're not selling <laughs> because once you leave, the patients leave. So I can't stress enough. You don't build a business. You build people and people build the business. You, If you don't have an assistant, you are the assistant. And you might not be able to start out with W-2s and that's okay. Get some subcontractors, get 1099s. If you're around any colleges, there's intern programs. You know, I'm in between five different colleges. So I have a waiting list of interns who wanna come here for the summer. So figure it out. You also gotta know, what is my worth per hour? What is my worth per hour? Do I make a hundred bucks an hour? Do I make a thousand bucks per hour? And then that helps you determine what you can afford to pay for those positions, because there are A, B, and C tasks. You got to focus on your A's, delegate your B's and never do your C's. Mm-hmm. So the next P, if you don't have any questions there.
0: Keep rolling. This is so good. I'm just taking notes. This is awesome. I, I, but, I, I understand the people. We hear a lot about people. I want to hear the other mm-hmm. piece. Products.
1: So product is your industry, your service, your product. So for y'all, it's real estate, right? So, product. So you have to ask yourself, is your product on the way up or on the way out? Is it dying or is it thriving? Do you have an Amazon? If you do, you should be selling. (laughs) Or do you have a blockbuster about to go bust? Now, product is where you need to innovate. Product is where you always aim. You always innovate and market. And listen, ask yourself three questions. Amazon did this back in the nineties. Ask yourself, what business am I in? you're not in a real estate business. You're not. It's like McDonald's. Did y'all ever watch a movie The Founder? When they asked Ray Kroc, what business are you in? He kept saying, I'm in the restaurant business. And the gentleman said, no, you're in the real estate business. What business are y'all in? Amazon did this back in the nineties. And they asked themselves, what business are we in? And Amazon said, we're in a book selling business. We fulfill book orders. And then the second question is, what is my core competency? What do I do better than everybody else? What is our USP, our unique selling proposition? And Amazon said, we do fulfillment better than everyone else. The third obvious question is, what business should should I be in? And Amazon said, we should be in a fulfillment business. We should be fulfilling orders for anyone around the world. Those three questions are transformational. Business owners have to get out of transactional and become transformational. Those three questions transform Amazon from a small book fulfillment company to multi worldwide billion dollar corporation. So product, here's the other thing with product. Don't put all your aids in one profit center and one product. You need to have multiple profit centers. Like my M&A firm, we get paid off of deals. We get paid off of evals. We get paid off of mentorship programs. We get paid off of books. I get paid on speaking engagements. I have probably 10 different profit centers. That's why so many businesses failed during this pandemic because they rely on one profit center. A restaurant relies on people to come in and eat their restaurant or take food to go. They have no e commerce site, they have nothing else. You have to have multiple profit centers. So start thinking about your business and ask yourself what business am I in? What do I do better than everybody else? What business should I be in? And start creating those multiple profit centers because real estate, you know, what goes up must come down, right? And real estate is huge right now. You know, but always have those congruent profit centers. Does that make sense? 100%.
0: And I do think that's another thing I see often is that we are one product dependent. We buy deals. And if those if we're not finding deals, those deals aren't cash flowing, then, you know, we're up a creek without a paddle. And so I do th- like I think that's something we got to really assess within our community, too, is like, what are those other profit centers that we can build off of our businesses? I think that's another Absolutely. reason why our personal brand is so important because if you have a personal brand then you can sell coaching books courses right yep. and it goes yep. back to like you have to build a brand around the company because if you're one product dependent just like you said it doesn't take much to 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 something you've built to be destroyed you have to
1: build two brands you have to build yourself as a person you have to build a company brand i build me michelle solid tucker and i build my company brand so you have to build both mm. kind of like steve jobs did You know, you always knew Steve Jobs' brand, right? But he also branded Apple. Right. So you want to brand both. Um, But you need to start thinking about that stuff. And sometimes you have to step out of your own industry. Step out of your own industry. Go to classes at the Ritz Carlton. Go to classes at Disney. There's different corporations, Fortune 500 corporations, Fortune 100 corporations that give training classes. Sometimes you have to step out of your own industry to be able to see things that perhaps you're not seeing. Plus ask your clients, what do you need? What do you want? How can I make it easier for you to do business with us? There's a real estate company. I can't tell you who, cause we're selling it, <laughs> but they do things different than anybody else. Nobody touches them as far as what they do. Everything is so unique and that's what you got to do. You got to figure out What's my core competency? What what business am I in? What's my core competency? What business should I be in? And you can learn from other industries, but you can also learn from your clients. And whoever makes it easiest for the consumer to purchase products and services is the company that's winning. Amazon is winning because they make it so easy to purchase practically anything. You practically buy a horse on Amazon and have it delivered in two days. (laughs) And so that's product. All right, the next one, are you ready? I'm ready. Processes processes will make or break your company. Processes are kind of like exit strategy. Business owners don't think about them until something bad happens and they're like, oh, we need a process for that. <laughs> like we're selling a man- we were selling a manufacturing company and an employee got hurt on the manufacturing floor and lost a limb. So obviously everybody sues, right? The owner's got all these lawsuits coming down. He's gonna have to file bankruptcy. He wants me to try to sell his business in bankruptcy court. And he's like, Michelle. I need a process for health and safety on the manufacturing floor. Oh, and I go, you think <laughs> you're a little late for that, you know? So here's the deal with processes. Processes should be designed from the beginning of buying or starting your business. Processes are ongoing. It's never ending. You need to leave that policy and procedure menu open and add policies as you go on a regular basis. Here's where most business owners get it wrong. Most business owners design their processes around their own agenda. Doctor's offices are nine to five. Isn't it hard to go to a doctor's office from nine to five when you're working? Banks are nine to five. Isn't it hard to go into a bank when you're working? Chiropractors are Monday, Wednesday, Friday, typically from nine to 12. Then they come back from three to five and then Thursday morning or Tuesday morning. What are they designing these hours around? What are they designing these processes around? The patient experience or their own agenda? The McDonald brothers. You watch the movie, The Founder. The McDonald's started McDonald's and said, we want to create a fast food restaurant because there isn't any back in the 50s, 40s or 50s. And they said, we want to create a fast food system and we want to design it, the processes around the customer experience. We want our customers to experience great tasting food that's hot, this fast, 30 seconds or less. Do you remember when the McDonald's brothers went to the empty tennis courts, took chalk, drew out the processes, Everyone bumped into each other. Everybody stepped on yeah. each other's toes. Yeah, one of the McDonald brothers on a ladder, you know, orchestrating, coordinating whatever, what everybody should do until they really had the symphony of processes to determine who takes the order, who cooks the burger, who puts the two pickles on the bun and gives it to the client 30 seconds or less. Those processes were designed back in the 40s and 50s. And even though they've been tweaked along the way, you can eat at McDonald's anywhere in the world And get the same experience same thing with burger king you need to mcdonald's your business Mm. you need to design the processes with the customer experience in mind you need to create wow experiences for your clients do you know that dr nito Cobain, who is the president of high point university sits on the board of lazy boy sits on the board of harvest bread company do you know he has a director of wow at high point university and he has a director of Unwow? So the minute somebody registers at the college, they ask you, what's your favorite food? What's your favorite drinks? What's your favorite everything? If there's a problem, let's say the shower is leaky. They get a basket of all their favorite things delivered to their door and says, we are so sorry that we caused you an inconvenience this morning. They have a directive of wow and directive unwow. Whoever creates the wow experiences And makes it easiest for the consumer to do business with you and makes it an enjoyable experience is the company that's going to win so many companies are losing market share because they stop asking our clients what do you need what do you want how can i make it easier for you to do business with us
0: yeah so
1: processes have to be designed to stop and ask yourself what do you want your customers to experience what do you want your clients to experience many owners have never even asked that question what do you want your clients to experience? And then design your processes. They need to be efficient. They need to be productive. Processes should be designed to decrease overhead, not increase. They need to be well papered. You have to have your policy and procedure manuals, SOP checklist by departments, your employee handbooks, your non-competes, your contracts. And you need, you know, one thing under people too that we didn't mention, is that when you're trying to sell a business for five, 10, 15, $20 million, you're going to have to have a management team. The entrepreneur is typically the visionary. You need an integrator, you need a liaison to integrate your vision to all the departments so they can bring your vision to life. And when you go to sell your business, they're going to look for all these documents.
0: I think that's so helpful. And that's something we started doing. I'll talk so you can catch a little while. <coughs> yeah, I don't quick. know what's going on. with Um, me. <laughs> you know, that's something we started doing this year. And and for those who are, are, are listening is we just have like to start again, done is better than perfect. We just opened up a Google document file. And now we started putting all of our processes and procedures like, hey, we did something. I'm like, hey, and, you know, talk to my assistant, put that process into another Google Doc title it this so that we just start tracking things. Now we don't have this beautiful file yet and it doesn't say Kingdom REI, but we have a Google doc and at least we're starting now to build some real, like what you said, written down processes so that we can bring someone into this role later. And all they gotta do is follow the steps of how do you reach out to a webinar guest? How do you like, what's the follow up process? What happens after we record the webinar? And so it's really, that's all that's been for us. Maybe you can give some feedback to Michelle is, That's just what we do now. Once we do it once we say, okay, let's write it down. We can optimize it later. But that way we know exactly what we did step by step. And we just put it in a Google folder.
1: So I think that's great. All except for one step. Okay. And I hope you're okay with me telling you. Oh man,
0: I love this. This is why we're still talking because no one teaches me this. And this is all I ever want is just to learn. So please.
1: Don't put it in Google. Okay. Google is not secure. You do not want your policies and procedures in Google. Do you know that I have clients that set up Google a Google Drive and put all their financials in there to give us their financials? It's not secure. I tell everybody, do not put stuff in Google. Go get one of those other apps. I forget the names of them, but there is one. We're working with a company right now um, and everything they do is in a certain app and I forget the name of it. It starts with an S. But everything's in there. So everybody's on track. Everybody can comment. Everybody can do this. Everybody can do that. Get it out of Google. It's not secure. That's
0: That's a great word.
1: And I'll tell them the other two P's because I know they want to know, but the fourth P is proprietary. So businesses, let me give you a quick crash course in valuations. Now, real estate's a little bit different, but um, businesses that have under a million dollars in EBITDA, EBITDA EBITDA's earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, amortization, will trade anywhere from one to three, maybe three and a half times multiple times EBITDA, depending upon the synergies. Businesses of over money EBITDA will typically go from five and up, mm-hmm. again, depending upon the proprietary assets. So proprietary, the fourth P is the number one value driver. It can take you from a five to an eight multiple, from an eight to 10. These are synergies we're talking about. The competitors and strategists will pay a lot of money for. There's five types of buyers. Strategists and competitors will pay typically the highest multiple because they're buying synergies to catapult their current business to the next level. Plus they're taking advantage of economies of scale, et cetera. So there's six pillars to proprietary. I'll do it really quickly. Number one is branding. The more well-branded you are, the more I can sell your company for, as long as your brand is relevant in the mind of the consumers. Is anybody paying any money for Blockbuster? Not anymore. Not anymore. What's the most valuable brand in the world? Apple. Apple, yes.
0: <laughs> I was going brand. between Amazon or Apple. I was like, uh, I think it's Apple.
1: <laughs> Apple. Amazon's in the top 10. Apple's worth $359 billion. That's just for the brand. That's not cash flow, inventory, assets, real estate, or anything else. That's just the brand. Trademarks are huge. Trademark your company name, trademark your podcast. Did you trademark your podcast, Ellis? Did you get no, a federal I trademark? Yet. Gotta get a federal trademark. Gotta get a federal trademark. Got trademark your products. We have a company right now that we're selling that has 12 different products. Each one has a federal trademark. Each one is exclusive into a, a, a retail chain. So one is exclusive to Walmart. One's exclusive to Target. One's TJ Maxx, one's Marshalls. So the bottom line is trademark, trademark, trademark. Here's the problem that most business owners, here's a mistake that most business owners make. They go to GoDaddy, they type in a name, they think about, yes, they got the dot-com and they're all excited. And then they go to their state and they get the trademark for their state, but they never check the federal database. So you could be in business five, 10, 15 years and all of a sudden receive a system and desist letter. You could be operating your podcast, build up that brand and all of a sudden receive a letter that says you got to stop using that company name.
0: First big mistake I made in business, Michelle, was that right there. I didn't check the federal and we were in business six, eight months and had to change our name.
1: See, and you're lucky. I see a lot of clients in business five, 10, 15 years. So make sure you go spend a $1,500 to $2,000 and get that federal trademark. Mm -hmm. Also patents. If there's anything unique to what you do, get a patent on that. Just like Shark Tank always asks, do you have a patent? Do you have a patent pending? We sold a company for $18 million. It wasn't making any money, but they had 18 patents. And then contracts, contracts, any contracts you have, vendors, real estate contracts, insurance companies, manufacturing, distribution, client contracts. Let's say that you have a training course and you have contracts with your students. That's huge. Buyers will pay more money for contracts that have subscription models with reoccurring revenue. Let's say you have a membership, that you have a membership and you're, a coaching membership, or you have a newsletter that comes out and they're paying you. I don't know, 50 bucks a month, whatever. Strategists will pay more money for that. But here's the mistake the business owners make with co- contracts. I've been doing this 20 years. My company is sort of a thousand businesses. I have never met an owner that actually has a two sentence transferability clause in a contract. Be proactive, get that two sentence transferability clause and says, this contract is transferable upon the new entity because 98% of all sales are asset sales, not stock sales. If the buyer doesn't agree to a stock sale and your clients don't agree to consider transfer, if you've got thousands of clients and you can't go to all of them, your deal will fall dead in its tracks. Right. right databases, build your database, your CRM, nurture them. If your clients can be retargeted and repurposed, Companies like Facebook will pay a lot of money for that. Facebook paid $19 billion for WhatsApp and WhatsApp was hemorrhaging, hemorrhaging. But they had yeah. a synergy, they had a billion users. Yeah. We're talking about synergies right now that, that strategic competitors, private equity goods will pay a lot of money for. Many type of celebrity endorsements, content. Let me talk about celebrity endorsements really quickly. We have a client that's favorites things is on Oprah. Anytime, even in real estate, if you can get a celebrity endorsement, if you can get somebody like Tony Robbins or anybody, you know, that's worth money. Strategists will pay a lot of money for that. Content is huge because that content is worth money. Your ratings on the internet is huge. That is all what we call about proprietary synergies. Um, Also for my e-commerce businesses, I know this is real estate, But any top positions you have or any top positions you have on the internet, that's worth a lot of money. Strategists will pay for that. So we're talking about proprietary assets. Proprietary will make you a lot more money on the sale of your business. Make sense? Mm. And then I'm gonna get real quick. The fifth P is patrons. You want customer diversification, not customer concentration. A lot of business owners follow the 80-20 rule where 80% of the revenue comes from 20% of their clients. You don't want that. And then the last one is profits. Everybody's like, Michelle, why do you put profits last? Because lack of profits is never the problem. It's always a symptom of not running on one of the other five Ps. Clients come to me and say, Michelle, I have a profit problem. I'm like, no, you have a people problem. or now you have a process problem. If you are running all five Ps, you will be extremely profitable. If you're not, you won't. It's that simple.
0: Go back to five real quick. Say that one more time.
1: Patreons, that's your client base. That's your client base. So you want customer diversification, not customer concentration. Let's say if you have, let's say if eighty percent of your revenue comes from twenty percent of your investors, or ten percent of your investors, and you lose an investor, you yep. follow me?
0: Yep. Okay. Wow. So you
1: have to look at your clients and make sure that you have customer diversification. Look, we want sort of media marketing company, or trying to sell, I should say, between ten to fifteen million. They have five clients. <laughs> And they cater to casinos. They lost two clients while we were trying to sell them. Their revenues wow. dropped in a half in a year, but I dropped in a half, so we wow. they weren't sellable any longer. We had the margin with another company,
0: Michelle. I mean, literally, like this is the type of stuff that I crave because I just I look for it because there's no one's really teaching it. Because I think a lot of people out there, like yourself, who's really in the business. They're too busy to put out the the good the really the meat of what it takes to really own operate scale a business. And so so I just thank you for being so generous with your time today and sharing these things because this is meat like this is solid food that entrepreneurs can eat on to really grow and scale their companies. And Mm. I'm so on board with your mission and I really want to help you scale it. So thank you. And we'll do all that we can to make sure we help grow this book. And anyone who's listening today, and we'll get this on our YouTube channel and all the things that we have. So hundreds and hundreds of people will see this. Exitrichbook.com is where you want to go to really get this book, get the other resources that Michelle was talking about. Michelle, any other place where we can go to learn from you or follow you and your in your personal brand, your personal journey.
1: Um, you can go to my main website is Silertucker.com. And then of course you can um, Thank you. Definitely buying the book, Paul. (laughs) Thanks, Paul. Um, And then you can also follow me on social media. On Facebook, it's Michelle Tyler Tucker. Connect with me on LinkedIn. You know, and I'm on Twitter. We're everywhere.
0: Got it. Um, Thanks, Michelle. Seriously, this is fun. I'm excited to see your journey. And hopefully maybe uh, I will be able to meet in person one day at a future mastermind or an event. That would be really cool.
1: Absolutely. And I'm looking forward to meeting and connecting with Ken.
0: Yeah, thanks. I'll do do it as soon as this, uh, for sure. Thank you. Thanks again. Thank you so much, Ellis. Hey, just because the show's over doesn't mean the journey is. Listen, if you're a faith-driven real estate professional or investor, then you'll want to go to thekingdomrei.com to learn about our mastermind. If you're interested in investing alongside me in alternative investments like multifamily apartment complexes, then head to ellishammon.com to learn more about that. Cheers.